It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is May 5th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and I feel a little bit weird recording this. Uh, this is being recorded on a Monday morning. Usually this is recorded in the afternoon on Monday, sometimes at night. This is being recorded at 9.30, early, early, early in the morning. The birds woke me up for this. Um, as we all know, it's quarantine. Wake-ups are way later than they normally are, so 9.30 feels extremely early, but this was all my guest, Mike Petralia, uh, could do this week. Obviously, I'd wake up at any time for Trags. Um, and what I love about Trags when he comes on is we just shoot the shit. We just kind of talk. Um, and obviously, it's Bruins. It's, you know, I, I, There's a method to our madness. Uh, there's a whole outline of what we need to talk about. But this week, it was fun. Uh, we sort of discussed to start you know, what a playoff scenario might look like. I wasn't prepared for that to come up, but it did. And I thought we had a good conversation about it, which is always very fun. Um, and then we get into that Yaroslav Halak extension, um, how good it was. Uh, I kind of get into why I, why there, you know, why there isn't more negativity about these signings. And it's because there really isn't much uh, to begin with. Um, and then it's funny at the very end, we get into a good conversation on if we could pick a Bruins topic story or player of the last 20 years or so for a last dance style um, of documentary, what it would be on. Uh, we both had pretty compelling answers for it. I do wonder if you guys are watching the last dance. Um, I've watched it every Sunday. I just think it's, it's super relevant. I also don't know a ton about the Jordan bulls, which you're going to all go, Oh my God, Evan is so young, uh, which is true. Uh, but I, I didn't. Now I feel like I'm an expert on them, and that's all that matters. So maybe I'll start a Last Dance podcast. I don't know. Uh, but it is interesting. It's actually been very fun. And even my, my parents would be getting into it, which typically they wouldn't get into that stuff. Uh, but they've every Sunday night, we've all been gathered around the TV. It's like the, it's like back in the 70s, you know, when people gather around the television to, to watch something. Now we just, you know, watch it on Netflix or whatever. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of how things are now. I mean, it's the biggest thing in sports going on. So I figure, hey, why not tie it to the Bruins? Um, before we get into that and that whole conversation, uh, with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. And like I tell you every week, you, you'd be wrong. I mean, come on. Um, our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on from their online casino to poker and blackjack as they are bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. BetOnline still has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can wager on, which I think are a blast to do. 
Uh, if you're into entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices. There's tons of stuff uh, that you can bet on, all open 24 hours a day and all online. Uh, visit the website or use your mobile device and join today to receive your new welcome bonus, Bet Online, your online wagering solution. Uh, and again, before we get into the conversation, uh, Cedric Maxwell has a, uh, has a message for you about Awaken 180 weight loss, which I think is, as I said, I said this last week and I'll say it again. Like I, I do think right now is a good time to look into that, um, and look into, you know, getting your body right. Um, if anything, so he will tell you about his journey with Awaken 180. Maybe it changes your mind. Um, and after that, we get right into things from Mike Petralia. So here is everything for you. As I told you on Twitter, I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health. I found a solution for weight loss, and it's Awaken 180. My friends in the media told me about Awaken 180. It's their go-to program to lose weight without killing yourself in the gym or taking any kind of medication. Just listen to the success stories. My boy, Kyle Draper, he dropped 30 pounds. Andy Grish dropped 105. And that's not it. Scott Zolak, Steve Logan, Dan Reeves, Dr. Laura R. Carmen, and add Cedric Maxwell to the list. It's only been about three weeks and I've already dropped about 15 pounds. Turn these trying times into a reason to get healthy like me. Call Awaken. Receive the same one-on-one coaching I'm getting at home or on Skype. Also access 1,000 recipes and tools you need to your weight loss from the company who has revolutionized the weight loss industry. Set up your first consultation today at Awaken180WeightLoss.com. And we're here with Mike Petralia Trags. What is up? Uh, still missing sports, still missing the <laughs> NHL, wishing we were in the, what would we be, in the second round right about now? I think we yeah, would be I last so. year. This time was the second round, which would be really fun. Uh, probably be Bruins Lightning. We'd probably pretty much decide the Stanley Cup final because. Yeah, that's unfortunate, by the way. That I think the NHL needs to address that uh, in the off season. Uh, whenever that off season is, if we're in it right now, whatever, uh, in downtime, I think the NHL needs to find a way that had it, uh, come to pass and, um, the playoffs not been inter- uh, interrupted the way it was. Uh, I think, uh, the NHL needs to find a way for the Bruins and Lightning not to meet in the second round. I think that's kind of silly. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of the, the gripe with the playoff format is that those two should be the Eastern Conference final. That should not be the second round because that would be such a... Go back to the uh, way it was. Exactly. I never saw a problem with that. What's wrong no. with one versus eight? That makes That's every other sport. Like that That should absolutely be in the NHL. I, I never understood why I think they, they were trying that. to outsmart themselves and come up with a unique format. And I sort of get it that the top... What you don't... Here's what they didn't want to do. They didn't want to... Um, uh, have the playoffs one division heavy, I think. And they felt like that each division should be equally represented. Well, that's not always the case. And I think the other thing was they wanted these rivalries earlier on in the playoffs. Yes. But what it's actually, I feel like it's what it's actually done is 
Like the first round is at least, you know, if you go off of last year, the first round was the most intense. The, the middle two were whatever, Blue Jackets mm-hmm. and the Hurricanes. And then the Blues, and nothing compared to that rivalry with the Maple Leafs so early on. So it's like the best came first. Whereas in reality, it should be completely random and the rivalries should get a little bit better each time. You should be playing the best possible team in the Eastern Conference Final. The rivalry, Conference. yes. That's exactly. a great point. The rivalry and the intensity of the matchup should come from the quality of the teams, not from the geography. And I get it. The NHL is really dependent on the gate, um, whether it's regular season or uh, in the playoffs. And in the playoffs, they have the added boost of wanting to uh, boost the TV ratings. So that's kind of what I think was behind that. They figure if they have the rivalries early in the playoffs, they'll get more eyeballs because, you know, the normal hockey fan is going to, or the average uh, hockey fan, not you and me, or, you know, all the Bruins fans who are intensely loyal to the sport, but the average hockey fan around the country um, doesn't start paying attention until later in the playoffs anyway. So their point, I think the NHL's thinking was that, you know, if we get some more eyeballs early in the uh, playoffs because of some uh, historic rivalries, they'll get, they'll get more revenue. And the other thing is, it's funny, the league is thinking about maybe doing a one versus eight playoff format for if there's a comeback to uh, to to this season. And what's ironic is if they were to do a one versus eight, the Bruins are one, the Maple Leafs are eight. So that would be awesome. There, there might that be still hilarious? be hilarious. That'd be yeah. hilarious that somehow they, they find a way. They were not supposed to play each other this year, at least in the first round. And now they're, they could end up playing each other. I, I know there are other topics you want to get to, but what do you want to see if the NHL comes back to right to the playoffs, which is what they, I think at this point have to do. I mean, I think the one versus eight is the right way to go. Cause then you have a chance for the Bruins lightning to face off most likely in the, in the conference final. Um, I don't know if there's a way to shorten it. Like there's still three rounds and then the, and then, and then the cup, like I, that to me doesn't matter. I still want it best of seven. I still want, I would rather them. I would rather them do a quick two week camp and then you're back in the playoffs. There's no regular season. Don't finish it. I know the league is, will not like that. They want the revenue from it. No, don't, right I agree with you. Go right to the playoffs. Have a two to three week camp. Go right in and do it the same format. Have it be in, start it in late June if you can. Cause it feels like, I mean, I think we're at the, we're at the worst part of this virus, I think, but feels we're like beyond the surge. Yeah. And so go end of June. Start the playoffs in July, end them in, you know, mid to late August, and then give the players a month off. Start next season later because you need. Oh, to I think next year we'll start probably no earlier than Thanksgiving. Yes, I agree. So do and, that. That's what and, and that gives that that would give them almost a normal off season, really, essentially. It if would you were to and do then, that. And you also have to re-sign a lot of these, you know, UFAs. Tory Krug, you know, <laughs> they could not have Tory Krug for the playoffs in July if there was. So, um, I, truthfully, I think that's what what needs to be done. What do you think? I I go back and forth, Evan. I, I part of me is like, just cancel the season already and look forward to next year and try to return to some normalcy, but. Um, the other part of me would love to see what would have happened with this Bruins team. And, but, but here's the problem with that. 
what would have happened to this Bruins team under normal circumstances is entirely different than what is going to happen to this Bruins team after the shutdown and after the pause, um, after the pause. And I think people need to keep that in mind. Like this is all of these teams are not going to be the same teams. They're not going to have the same chemistry. They're not going to have the same flow. And uh, to expect these teams to pick up right where they, they left off is absolutely absurd. It's absurd. And in the only way it's an equal playing field is that all these teams are facing these problems. But at the same time, it's not uh, accurate of where they were. They're not the, other the Bruins thing. team that they were in early March. I don't want to see the empty arenas. I mean, if you're telling me that you're going to come back and have the Stanley Cup playoffs, but they're in empty arenas, especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs, what's the point? I mean, the, the yeah. point of, the point of the Stanley Cup playoffs is the intensity and the crowd noise and these buildings going absolutely berserk. You're, it's not going to be that. And if it's not going to be that, I'd just as soon look ahead to next year when you're allowed to have fans in the buildings. Look, I know I'm going to go on a rant, but all of these sports are not going to be sports until you have fans in the buildings. Because when so, the fans are in the buildings, that's when they're engaged with their teams. They're, even the loyal, loyal, loyal sports fan watching on TV is not into it the way they are in the arena, in the stadiums. I agree that they're not into it, and I agree that it would look so weird and odd to see no fans in the stands. However, however, what I do worry about is that there won't be fans in the stands for next season either. And then by that logic, you wouldn't have sports next year because it feels like well, I mean, it's going to be if, a, if, yeah, like that, be a slow come out of this. Yeah, that's a and I think that's a mistake. But that's that's me, and I just think that for all these people that want sports back and and want hockey back uh you you don't get the sport back until you get the fans back in the building and the fans engaged with their teams oh i totally agree it's not the same it is absolutely 100 percent not the same i think the league and personally i would like to see a, a cup given out but the other thing is it's not it's not you know this isn't the normal stanley cup this is a for a cock to one in the middle of summer, if they do it again, we're talking hypotheticals here. This has not actually right. happened, but if they did do it, um, and I agree that the league, you know, I agree for the, you know, for integrity's sake, they'd like to hand out a Stanley Cup. Um, now, it also sucks for teams down at the bottom. Like I was saying this to somebody yesterday. Like, if you're a team who's let's say twenty ranked twenty sixth in the league, so you have okay odds for that first pick, but maybe not the best but you could have maybe gotten worse and had better odds that first pick. Like you right. might never get to get a redo of, of, of having better odds for the lottery. So for them, it stinks too. So I think this kind of negatively impacts everybody. I just, I don't, my hunch tracks is this is over. That's, that's my hunch. I feel like this might be over, um, but I would like to see a Stanley cup given. And I would, even if there's no fans, I'd love to just see what it looks like with no fans and what the playoff hockey would look like. I mean, it would be so weird. Maybe you pump in fake crowd noise. Maybe you do what no, the NFL drafted yeah. where you put put the fans behind Goodell. Um, but I just – this is – it ain't it. But at no. least it's – in my opinion, at least it's it's something. But um, So there actually was a little piece of Bruins news this past week. Yarsla there was. Lock. Yaroslav Halak, remember him? Yaroslav Halak comes out and they extend him for a year. One year, 2.25 million, uh, which is 
five hundred thousand less than he's making now, because uh, he was making two seven five. Now he's making two point two five. Uh, he'll be thirty five. He's turning thirty five in like a week. Um, so thirty five for that contract. Um, I don't see any negatives with this. I don't. No. I, it's funny. It's funny, Trags. You know, it's funny. Um, the past year, as as I've been very fortunate enough to have a little bit of a voice in the Bruins community and and be a media member and all that stuff. I always think, you know, am I going too easy on Sweeney? Am I going too easy on the Bruins? You know, should I be looking at it from a more negative lens? Like every signing I'm trying to find, okay, you know, is there a negative way? Like what's negative about this? This signing, I don't see a negative. No. I don't. I mean, first of all, I mean, you know, and I know Fluto brought up uh, during the conference call or the Zoom call on Saturday, you know, what does it say that you're signing them and you have no idea what the cap is going to be? What kind of comfort does it give you? And I think that was a, a reasonable question to ask Don Sweeney. Is there any gamble whatsoever? And he's like, well, we, we believe in Halak's value to the team and we know uh, whether there is going to be a normal season or not next year, he is going to be there for us and has been there for us along with Rask, and, uh, you know, early on in this season, I would say uh, Yarrow Halak was one of the Bruins' three or four most re- dependable players. Would you? Yeah. Oh, I, totally. He started Absolutely. off as hot as Rask, and that's one reason early in the season the Bruins were able to get off to the kind of start that they did. Um, you know, as of the uh, pause, he's 18, six and six with three shutouts at 2.39 goals against. And you had an interesting stat on him on, uh, what was it? Uh, the, the expected goals or difficult oh, high goal? danger, the high danger, high danger. High danger Explain that. Trem- so high danger basically is for those who don't know, it's just simply, you know, shots from high danger areas right in front of the net, the slot, Things of that sort. And he is top five in most every goaltending stat um, from the beginning of last season to, to right now. Um, I believe goals against average, save percentage, and then high danger goals against average, high danger save percentage. There's a bunch. You, actually, I have it all listed out in a column for clnsmedia.com, which I'd love for you guys to go check out. Which um, I retweeted. And, th- yeah, thank you. Um, but so – Statist- By the way, ironically enough, Anton Hudobin is number one in a lot of these stats. <laughs> we used to be on the Bruins, but whatever. Um, right. But but um, he stu- stupendous statistics. Um, and granted, you know he's only played seventy one games over this span. That's not a lot for a starter, but that is a lot for a backup. So he's kind of in the middle there. Um, he did start to lose it a little bit the middle of this year. Uh, yes. Um, letting in some started softies. to wear down a little bit. And... Yeah. And what's funny is, though, like last year, he was better than Rask in most cases. You know, people thought he should should have started the Winter Classic. Some thought he should have been the permanent starter. Some even went and said he should start in the playoffs. Um, but what I think, like, to me, what is most valuable about Halak, the stats are awesome. That's great. You know, those alone are worth the 2.25. But what's even more worth it for the Bruins, you get a better Tuka Rask. Like, yes. Oh, to absolutely. Me, what you get is in that 2.25 million, you get a well-rested Tuka. You get a Tuka who's more apt to go deep in the playoffs. Like, and he he's even admitted that. And Sweeney and said it on Saturday and has always said it. Well, and and that's exactly right. We are expecting some type of altered season 
next year, right? And they're they're hopeful for 82 games, but they, Don Sweeney made it clear that if there's 82 games next season, it's probably going to be compressed, and you're going to be asking a lot more of your veteran players um, and veteran goalies. Uh, and if that's the case, you're going to definitely need two veteran goals. You, you can't just you know, play a 75, 25 percentage in terms of your, your go-to goaltender and your number two. It's going to have to be a lot more closer to, or a lot closer to 50, 50 or even 55, 45. And Halak, I think, gives the Bruins and Sweeney and obviously, uh, Brian, uh, Brian, um, uh, Bruce Cassidy, sorry, I'm just uh, Bruce Cassidy. Uh, that sense of confidence uh, going into next year that they have a veteran goalie who can start 45 percent of the games or 42, whatever percentage they come up with, and I think that is going to be that is incredibly invaluable to the Bruins. You know, it's funny. I was going through and I was looking at uh, since 2012-13. You know, who, how many starts Rask had? How many starts has his backup had? In 2014-15, Nicholas Fedberg had 14 starts. Rask had 67. I think he appeared in 70 games that year too. Like, you, it, it, what's crazy is back then that wasn't that crazy. Now that is on almost unheard of. Like yes. the way that, and and what's funny is Fluto. We keep mentioning Fluto. Fluto had an interesting piece on Halak. Um, a few days ago in which he said Halak has pretty much been the basis for this ushering in of resting your starter, not playing him as much. And when you look at it, it's not just with the Bruins. He used to do it with the Canadians back with, um, with Carey Price. He's done it with other teams as well. Like short, you know, he's never, he's been the starter a few times. He was in St. Louis. He was a little bit in New York uh, with the Islanders, but, for the most part, he's almost split time with the starter. And that's kind of been a slow ushering in. And now you have teams like the Stars doing it, the Blues do it. It, it works. And the other thing I want to say about uh, Halak, and this gets overrated in a lot of situations like this where a veteran comes back uh, to a team that he had been playing with, the uh, influence in the clubhouse, or in this case, the dressing room. Halak is beloved among the Bruins. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. he is a great, great, quiet leader, but he's definitely a leader in that locker room. So before you go, before we end mm-hmm. this, because we try, we try to keep these short because there's not a ton to talk about, and I don't want to waste content for weeks coming forward. Smart okay, we move got, we got, by you, we got, young kid. We got to holster stuff. Um so I was thinking last, or we record this, we're recording this Monday morning, by the way. We're recording this at 9.30 in the morning. This might be the earliest I've gotten up all of quarantine, but I would do it for you, Trags. I would do it. I'd, Thanks, I wake Evan. up at 6 in the morning for you. Um, but I was, I was watching Last Dance Sunday night, and I was like, and I tweeted this out. Oh. And I was like, I wonder if there were to be a Bruins story, player, topic, whatever, of the past 20 years that got a documentary, maybe not 10 parts, Obviously, would not be as big as Michael Jordan and the Bulls, but you know, maybe you know, a few parts. To you, what would be what would that documentary be about? This is a no-brainer, in my estimation. Brad Marchand, really, without question. Uh, yeah, uh, look at all the crap he's been through, all of the uh, incidents with other players, the league, the, the repeated uh, 
uh, run-ins with the league and and uh, the conduct office of the National Hockey League. I think the backstories behind all of that would be fabulous. He's a great personality. When you get Brad to talk, he doesn't stop and he doesn't hold back, which is really the most important part of that. Um, he speaks his mind, and I would just love to know what he was thinking and it, how much regret there was after each incident that he was, uh, you know, disciplined for. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it'd be fascinating. For me, uh, if I could pick one to go in-depth on, do what the Jordan documentary's done where they go back into childhoods and they go back tons of seasons and they have all this footage and all that, the rise and fall of Tyler Sagan in this oh. town, I think, would be fascinating. If you really, if they could go in depth on that, if you could uncover, you know, the, the the rumored stories, you know, missing meetings, out late, what happened to the 2013 playoffs, if you could really go in depth on that, I think that would be so. Yeah, fascinating I, to that's watch. a good one. That is not a bad one. Um, his stay was so short. Um, the reason I say Marsh, the reason I say Marshan is because he has been here from the beginning of this great run yeah. through now, and he's seen so much, and he's a spokesman in that in that dressing room. There's no question about that. Yeah, and the other thing is he was never projected to be a hundred point player. Like nobody no. ever thought that he was, you know, forty point guy, fifty point guy, you know, fringe first liner. I mean, that was kind of how his career began, uh, albeit heroically. Uh, but yeah, no, totally. He's a good one. But Sagan to me, if you can get on the, if you can chip away at that, I mean, credit to the Bruins for putting cameras in their decision rooms when they decided to trade him. I can't believe they actually did that. Um, but if you could go in depth on missing meetings, you know, being out late, having, you know, security, stuff well, like that, I think would be so interesting. I think the reason they might have put cameras in that dress, in the, in the decision room, is to try to explain to fans that this there was a lot more to the story than met the eye, you know. Yeah. And I think to get their perspective out on what went down behind the scenes, that I think that's why they would probably want to do that. I mean, nothing, nothing like that is ever done by mistake or happenstance, right? Oh yeah, no, it's that wasn't done. like it's. That wasn't like security cameras. That was, that wasn't like no, it was. The they place. knew the cameras were rolling, and they were very, you know, disciplined and programmed in what they were going to say. I think I, you know, when you have cameras in the room, you behave differently. There's no question about that. Yeah, that is true. And what's funny is I don't think Sweeney was in many of those shots, but that's a whole other topic for another day. Um, Trags, before I let you go, is there anything that you would like to promote? Make sure you listen to Patriots Beat Podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Uh, follow us uh, on Twitter, at Trags, T-R-A-G-S, at Patriots, C-L-N-S. We have Sierra Goodwill on uh, this week, and we're going to talk a little more um, outside the box, let's say, uh, about some of the Patriots players and what their expectations are coming into the new world, new form NFL. That's what I like outside the box. That's what we got to do nowadays. We can't, you know, talk X's and O's. We got to talk fun stuff like this. Not all the um, time. We can't. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but Trags, thank you so much for joining as always on for CLNS media. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins beat listeners have a great rest of your week. Yeah.